Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. If you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor. That includes diets, exercise, medications, and surgery. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and and consult consult your doctors. doctors. Guys, we all need our vitamins after surgery, regardless of what you think. Yes. It's a must. Yes. So why not choose the easiest and the best tasting in the community? Seriously, it's ProCare, guys. ProCare is so delicious. I use their chewable for over a year. That's how I know. Yes. And I love their capsules. Yes. Love them. They're once a day. I take them at night. Yes. The calcium chews. mm, They have mocktail ones. So go over to ProCareNow.com and use our code OSLP to save some money. Are you feeling lost, alone, maybe a little unsupported in your bariatric journey? Well, if you are, we have a great resource for you. It's called the Tribe Membership, and they have support groups every single day with experts in their field who also had bariatric surgery. Comes with journal prompts, workouts and recipes, you name it. They got it. You'll never feel alone again once you join the tribe. Now go over to thesleepdietitian.com and use code OSLP at checkout. Welcome back, OSLP family. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to Our Sleeve Life Podcast, and this is Kelly. This is Maha. And there is an exciting event that we're going to. Yes. In a all-new place for us, which I know sounds crazy because we have been literally all over the place in mm-hmm. the last year. But we are going to be in Chicago, Chicago for the Chai Weekender, mm-hmm. powered by ProCare, which you guys know we love them. We love that they're so well, in the community. The community. Yeah. The bariatric patients. It's and this great. is being put on by Barry Adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, Meg is her name. And she is fantastic. We love her idea and her concept for this. Mm-hmm. It's all about the experience. Yes. So, like, we literally get to be with you guys the whole time. It's very mm-hmm. intimate. It's only, like, 30 people at the most. Yes. So, go get your tickets as fast as possible because we want to see you. Because mm-hmm. it, it's actually August 18th. And this is going to release on August 15th. So, you better go yes. get your fucking ticket. Yes. <laughs> and we actually get to do a live podcast at the Moxie, which is a fabulous hotel. Oh, Beautiful. my gosh. So we actually, you know, go get your tickets for this. It's in our link in bio. Mm-hmm. But also we have a room block at the Moxie yes. for the Just Be You Bariatric Award I Show. Know. And it has your color. It, it's all pink. It's all it's pink. It's all pink. And it's so cool because we went into the rooms and there's literally pink hair, dry, her, hair dryers, hair dryers in every it, room. And it is a matched color to yep. me. So we it's matched it. pretty fun. It's so good. Yeah. And I'm excited that we get to actually do a live podcast from there in Chicago. Yes. yes it'll be amazing. We know that we're going to a comedy club in Chicago. We know that we're going Cubs to a game? Cubs game in Chicago. Which, yeah. There's I've, some sort of plane and sky thing happening yes there are lots going on and lots of uh, opportunity to meet new people and have great conversations Mm -hmm. and just enjoy the life that you're living now yeah because you're supposed to experience life yes like that's the whole point of the surgery really for a lot of us is to like get out of this trapped body yep and then go experience life exactly so so go get your tickets for that while you're on your computer, also go to jbyawards.com and get your tickets because they are selling fast and we want to see you there. We do. We do. Because we're going to be celebrating you guys. Yes. On September 30th, 
in Washington, D.C. at the Howard Theater. And it is a beautiful theater. So freaking pretty. We knew as soon as we walked in, it was our vibe. Mm -hmm. The people there are amazing. It's just, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. We do have kind of a an announcement because yeah. we have set in stone. Yep. Tra contracts are signed. Contracts are signed. So Thursday night mm -hmm. at 6 p.m. Yes. We are doing the live podcast. Then Friday morning. And that's a free event. It is a free event. Anybody can show up for the live yes. podcast it's on Thursday. It's kind of Thursday. like our own branded welcome yeah. reception. It's like a fun little welcome reception. Yeah. You get some food. You get some drinks. It's only going to be water. Um, yes. If you want alcohol, we'll there get that There are three afterwards. other bars yeah. in the hotel. Correct. So you, we have access. Um, very excited for this next one. Yes. Friday morning. We are doing a wellness morning. And that includes a yoga session. And that also includes a sound bath, which we have never done before. And we are so stoked to be able to do it in Washington, D.C. with all of you guys. Um, we will have tickets in our link in bio for that. Um, that is you do have to pay for that because we have to pay for the space. Yep. So um, and we have to pay for the lady doing the sound bath and all of that good stuff. All so, the equipment. Yes. Yeah. So. That we have that. Then we have the award show on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday, we have our Benchy brunch. So if you are not a Benchy, you need to go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP and get signed up in the $7 or higher, higher tier. Yes. So you can join join in on that Benchy brunch. And that is free for all of our Benchies. Yes. It's going to be on the rooftop. We're so excited. Yes. So we just want you to know we do give back to our Patreons, our, our Patreons, our, our patrons, because we love you guys. We literally wouldn't be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for you. You guys yeah. so we like to always like give pay back. it back give it yeah. back so just pay know every year when we do the jby there will be a benchy brunch for you guys the, the next, next morning yeah. yep all right should we uh we have to talk about youtube we have to do youtube real so quick. youtube go <laughs> over to youtube preloaded on your phone Type in our Sleeve Life podcast. We are the only ones. Right. And click subscribe and the little bell so you are notified when future videos like this one drop. That's right. Because we are talking to one of the fan favorites on our show. That is once right. Once again. And we have exciting. She's going to give us all the news. There is some exciting brand new news coming. Yes. Today, so. so welcome back on the show, Jamie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back. I love being here with you guys and chatting about all the things. I'm also just so proud of you for all the things you guys have been doing for our community and hosting the last couple of years. And it's just, it's, it's so great to see you guys. Thank you. And doing, doing the thing. Aww, we appreciate thanks. it. We Same have, with you. Yeah. Okay. Man, you have done some incredible things. First off, for those that don't know that the sleep dietitian has their own tribe membership. And it is amazing. It's amazing. You need to go over there right now and use OSLP so that we can get a discount and you get the membership and there's just so many things to do there. Yes. So, there's so it. much support built into your tribe membership. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy how many things you have going on within the tribe. Thank you. It's it's actually wild how it's grown. So anyone who does not know, um, I'm Jamie, the sleep dietitian. I had weight loss surgery back in 2017 mm -hmm. and I'm a registered dietitian and it's my mission to bring better support and better resources to this community because we all know that once you have surgery, unfortunately, is, the support is pretty scarce <laughs> and yes. some of the disinformation floating around is also awful. Yes. <laughs> so I... It's my mission to help people so that you can live the life you always wanted to without feeling like you have to be restricted to a diet forever. Granted, time and place after surgery, of course, but mm -hmm. it's about 
figuring out like the new habits and making sure that the routines that you build for your life work for you long-term, not just in that first year after surgery. Yes. So it's a membership program. It's really my one-stop shop for everything bariatrics. It is where you can access all of my modules and coursework of the same process I teach my one-on-one clients step-by-step. Um, there's literally dozens of resources and guides and videos on pretty much every topic you could want after surgery. And then every single month we give out new recipes, new topics and materials. We do different challenges. And probably the best part are our live support groups. We have mm-hmm. up to 45 live events per month, including support groups and workshops in my live queue. 45? Holy moly. Yeah, we have 18 tribe leaders on our team. So our leadership wow. team is primarily composed of bariatric patients. We do have a couple of professionals who are not patients, but are in the space. Um, but the majority are patients and professionals. We have a therapist, a psychologist. Um, we have multiple dietitians. We have an exercise physiologist. Um, we also have uh, pretty new, we have a doctor and we have a nurse, a uh, registered nurse. Um, we actually very recently with them on board have added anti-obesity medication support groups for those who are on GLP. Um, ones as well. Um, We have support groups, everything from pre-op to newly post-op to if you're struggling with regain, we have a a support group for those who are neurodivergent and need special help with like habit planning. We have cultural eating support groups so that you can maintain your culture after surgery, pretty much every like nuanced topic that people don't talk about. This is what we have here in the membership. And there's literally something live basically every day. Every day. We also, oh, you want to know something really exciting? Yes. Um, very, because it's all, we also, you know, we come out with different calendars every month. The first of the month is when the calendar is launched. You can RSVP to as many of those live events as you want when you're a member. Um, and we try really hard to accommodate as many time zones as we can just mm-hmm. between Eastern Pacific um, central time, but we are international at this point and we have many international members. So Ooh. we very recently added um, a group that is specific for, evening time in Australia. So we have an 8 p.m. Australian time group, which ends up being 6 a.m. my time, um, which is Eastern time. But that actually does work for some of our members who get up early and then go to work. Um, But we have people in Australia, we have people in New Zealand. Um, We added this group as well for all of our Australian members. And Anna, who's our Australian psychologist, runs those groups. So that's so cool. That's that's amazing. You are now international, girl. We've been international for a little while, I will say, which is really cool. We have quite a few people in England too, okay. um, which England is five hours ahead of us. So a lot of our noontime support groups, they'll come to at like 5 p.m. Or, or whatnot, or our Saturday morning support groups are like afternoon their time. So it's definitely been a little bit of a puzzle to accommodate. So I'm many sure. Members. Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest questions I get is, oh my God, I'm in this country. Can I join? And I'm like, absolutely. Come join us. Yeah. As long as you can find the time to right up in there then you're good really all that matters it's just yeah it's it's my biggest passion and that's my main resource that I provide Mm -hmm. to the community but I do have others I also this last week uh came out with my first ever course it is tackling snacking it's a bariatric mini course it is the mini course is a terrible name for it when I look back because it's not mini at all it's got 10 different modules um the reason it's called mini course is because it is hyper focused on one topic versus multiple like the tribe is so Mm. this is all about overcoming snacking and mindless eating in those habits and that one is only 27 dollars. that's such a great deal okay and I I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like snacking is like the number one problem we have. It is. That is literally one of the biggest struggles every bariatric patient seems to face, which is why I finally put out this course because 
I really feel like everyone who is struggling with old habits coming in, it's always the snacking. And even in that first year post-op, it's still one of those habits that is so hard to kick because one of the like habits that we can still so easily engage in because while eating a full meal might be uncomfortable, sometimes having a bite here, there isn't. (laughs) And it's so easy to like turn a blind eye when you're just having a bite or two and it doesn't feel like it's adding up very much. But then at the end of the day, you're like, oh my God, I've been just like grazing all day. Exactly. Whether you've had surgery, whether you're on a medication, whatever your situation is, like in the world of bariatrics, this habit is just essential to figure out how to pair your nutrients so that you're maximizing your um, fullness and staying fuller longer and avoiding those things. So that's why I was like, you know what? Let's get something out there for this. I don't think there's anything that exists that is specific to bariatric snacking um, like this course is. And I wanted more people to be able to to obtain it. So it's there, it's on my website. Nice. And And how, uh, how long do they have to sign up for that? Or is that just whenever? Okay. Oh, look at that. And that doesn't have a time restriction. I like like that. that. So both the tribe and this course don't have time restrictions. Really the only thing that I put time restrictions on are, you know, if I'm doing a group course or something that requires a lot of, um, like live things on on my personal schedule. Yeah. Um, other than that, I tend to leave it up there because the last thing I want is someone to miss it and come to me two weeks later and be like, oh my God, I could use this. But, you know, it yeah. doesn't benefit me to keep it from them. So well, yeah, I'm glad for that, sure. I'm glad that you did the snacking one because like, I don't feel like I have snacking issues, but I know that like in the very beginning, you're eating every two to three hours. So you almost mm-hmm. feel like you're snacking. And so I can see how easy it is to just fall into snacking. And you do that trajectory. Yeah. yeah. Because mm-hmm. we're kind of set up to do that, but we're told later on to do more like bigger meals, more denser meals. Uh-huh. And, and so the it's other confusing. Thing that, um, every center is different, but the other thing that is so frustrating is so many bariatric patients are told you're not allowed to have snacks. So many people are told like snacks are not allowed. So many people are told have a protein shake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's it. Like I hear that recommendation a lot. Yeah. And my first question is how the heck are you meeting your protein goal? If you can only eat like two, three times a day. Yeah. I, again, bariatric patient had weight loss surgery, have been on a GLP one medication. I still need snacks in the middle of the day. It's, it's normal. One of the things I try and explain to people is it is normal to feel hungry. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing or a shameful thing to feel hungry. And I think we often feel like we shouldn't feel hungry right. or we're happy. We just don't feel hungry at all because we don't have to think about it, which yeah. makes sense if we struggled with food our whole lives. Yeah. But if your body's hungry, it's a sign that your body's working and your body is functioning properly. And we need to honor that and actually eat something. But we also don't want to be just picking at little things all day long. And in the course, I describe the difference between a snack versus snacking and yes. what I mean, two different words. Cause so they are different. They, they different. are different. And the, our mindset behind choosing those things is different. And that's what I really bring light to. Um, and I give very real life examples in the course about, you know, if you are picking all day long and this is you, this is where potentially your calories could add up. Whereas mm-hmm. if you were to actually eat more at your meals, actually eat more at your snacks, actually have more variety, your calories actually come out less at the end of the day, even though it feels like you've eaten more, mm-hmm. you're actually taking it less calorically than when you're just picking at the little things all day long. And that is usually like a, like mind blowing once you start to connect those pieces. So yeah. Honestly, my favorite topic to teach, which is why another reason why I made it into a course, because not only is it so prevalent, but I get excited 
when people have those aha moments and it just all mm-hmm. seems to fall into place. Right. Well, I, I mean, even you just saying there's a difference between having a snack and snacking, that's like mind blowing to me because it's true, mm-hmm. but you don't really think about it. You're just like, oh, I'm not allowed to have sa- snacks. Right. But it's like, no, you're allowed to have a snack. What, what right. happens when, you, when you're just told no? You want to do the other thing. You want it more. Yeah. Everyone else has a rebellious teenager inside yep. of us, a defiant child that's like, well, screw you. I'm going to go have whatever I want because yep. you're telling, and especially when you're told just outright no, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you choose a really healthful snack or a not so healthful one at the end of the day, because you already feel shame no matter what you're choosing. Right. Yeah. Talk about that too, because I would so much rather you make an empowered decision for yourself, listen to your body, mm-hmm. choose a snack when you're hungry, and then productively create a mindful snack that is balanced and that is both appetizing and satiating to you, as well as filling and helping you hit your goals versus trying so hard to just not have anything and then feeling like a failure at 2 p.m. when you're hungry because you shouldn't be, because mm-hmm. someone told you that you're not allowed to have a snack. So in that case, you start the grazing, binging, yep. rummaging happen it's all afternoon and night cycle when yep. you get home from work. Yeah. That is what happens to so many people every day. Um and I don't even think that's particularly unique to the bariatric community. Mm-hmm. I think um people in general who struggle with their weight, many women have been really shamed for overeating their whole lives mm-hmm. and have these frustrating relationships with our bodies. Um maybe some people grew up looking at their moms, the quote almond moms that yep. are like just three almonds and you're good. Yep. Um and it's not realistic. We need to fuel ourselves and that's ultimately what I help bariatric patients do. Um, I actually have a whole chapter in my book that is coming out. Mm-hmm. It's all about nutrition after bariatric surgery. And I start off the chapter by saying nutrition is what you will eat, not what you won't eat. Uh. And we so often focus on what we won't eat and eating. Oops, did I freeze for a second? Yeah, you're, you're, you're good. good. So what I was saying is, we so often, when we think about nutrition after surgery, we think about tiny portions, keeping it small, mm-hmm. keeping it like, you know, less is better, just protein. And we focus on what we're not going to eat mm-hmm. versus nutrition is fueling yourself. Nutrition is giving your body adequate nutrients. You know, in my training to be a dietitian in our clinicals, and when you're working in the hospital as a clinical dietitian, our number one job is to feed people. Yes. <laughs> our job is to, whether you are on some type of medically supervised diet for, you know, heart disease or something, or you are on a tube feed where we have to feed you through, you know, formulas. Our job as dietitians is to make sure you are getting adequate nutrition. It is not to focus on what you can't eat. It's to focus on what you can to get your needs met. And that is true for bariatric patients also. I feel like in the beginning of my bariatric journey, it was like, okay, how little can I eat? And then it became, okay, how far that can I push the point? <laughs> it like, it sounds like Kelly, right? Yeah. Like, okay, how much little, like little food I can eat. And then w- what can I push the point on also? Mm-hmm. But then I was full of saying, I'm, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. I can't have that. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Kelly, what happened down the line when you could eat that or you did? I ate it all. Very much did, in high and volume. Uh, and like, how did you feel? Like crap. Like you felt like probably like you failed because you mm-hmm. were eating more. Yep. Yep. And, and I, I also yeah. feel like that's the reason why I regained as quickly that I did because I was so focused on the 
not good side. Prepping and measuring your food post-op is a beast all in itself. Portion Perfection has actually made it super, super simple. They have bowls, plates, and even a lunch bag called the Kitten Carry, where you can have all of the system ready to go. Especially when you're on a road trip, that thing is a lifesaver. Yes. If you want to get these things to help your journey, just go over to portionperfection.com and use our code 15OSLPOD. And again, that's 15OSLPOD. And you can also go over to our Amazon storefront to pick out any of those that you would like to use. While we were in Florida, we got to visit one of our favorite bariatric surgeons, Dr. Donald Fridley at Surgical Associates of Bayonet Point. They tailor make all their plans to the unique needs of each patient. They have this cool thing there. It's an in-body scanner and you get to do it pre-op and post-op. So that way you can see all the differences and all the changes that happen. And he's also one of the surgeons that does his surgery with robotics. And we got to play with that. We did. So we were so so excited and we want you to have such a special care that they give. So go over to sabpweightloss.com right now or give their office a call at 727-819-9107. That's right. So and tell them that the OSLP girls sent you and they're going to take great care of you. Yeah. And that's one of my biggest, and honestly, Kelly, like, I just want to validate like everything you said and like, know that you're not alone in that experience. We've talked about it before, but anyone you're listening, Mm -hmm. if that's you too, you're not alone. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest disservices done to this community, like we are an underserved population. We are not taught how to eat for life. We're taught how to eat in those first six months after surgery when, you know, and my, my motto is all foods can fit, just not all the time. Yeah. So you're, I don't want anyone to mistake anything I'm saying for being like, oh, well, I don't need to be on that post-op diet. You do. Yeah. Your post-op diet given after surgery is there for a reason. It is not implied. It is not optional. It is not suggested. Call. It is yeah. not suggested. It's required. Like, yes, it's required and you are agreeing to it. Yeah. Yes. However, unfortunately, because support is scarce, because there's a lot of gaps in our system, which I also talk about in our book and like our medical system as a whole, even the most well-meaning centers and practitioners who want you to succeed don't always have the bandwidth or capacity mm-hmm. to support you, especially if there's limitations with your healthcare or you yourself are not willing to go back to see your dietitian or mm-hmm. are not able to, whatever the situation is. Because at a certain point, that very strict post-op diet needs to be expanded on. And you need to be taught how to strategically add carbs back in and how mm-hmm. to add fiber back in and create that balance and get out of that all or nothing thinking with food that so many of us don't actually overcome after surgery because we went from all to the nothing. Mm-hmm. And we think that we need to stay in this nothing place. And then when we can't, we feel like a failure and we're back to all. Yep. And it's that back never and ending vicious, vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I wasn't even say take it even one step further back where like, we're not only just taught like during our post-op, just that one year of how to eat. Mm-hmm. No one has ever really like taught us even as kids or as a young adults how to eat and why we have to eat a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like I know that is a big deal. Like there's nothing in like the health classes about it. Like there really mm-hmm. should be. And I don't know if I'm the first one to think of this, but I'll take it and we should run with it. And I know Jamie would like it. <laughs> I think that there should be a dietitian in every school. Oh yeah. So you put the words out of my mouth. I've said that so many times. So the frustrating piece is, so there are some school systems that do have a dietitian, but it's not many. Um, the dietitian, the dietitians, well, let me just clarify. 
There are many school system dietitians. However, their role is not usually active in the classrooms. And if it is, it's usually probably one within the district traveling, trying to do education. But their primary job is to do the school lunch menus. And every dietitian who goes through their internship rotations, like I did, has to do a, a school system like school food service rotation. Oh, really? That was one of the hardest rotations because you are popped into a school system and given an absurdly low budget and you have to create menus that meet kind of ridiculous guidelines guidelines set by the government. So Mm. you might have to have two, like I think two grains on your plate is one of the goals. But if you only have 37 cents per kid per meal, how are you going to do that while also meeting the dairy goal and while also meeting the veggie goal and everything else? And I don't want anyone to quote me verbatim because I haven't been in a school system for a long time. So anything I just spewed out could potentially be incorrect. See, I, just, I think, you have to do things. yeah, but what it should be where, well, we have a whole other, that's a whole other conversation, whole other issue, but I firmly believe that we should have a dietitian, like you just said, Mel, in the school system, yeah, in, the, in classroom, the classroom, yeah, teaching, especially, um, one of, um, one of the best documentaries that I watched, we had community nutrition classes in school where it was on, it's called a place at the table. And it talks about food scarcity and food deserts within our own country. And it talks about, you know, in inner cities where all you have available is like bodegas. You don't have like full grocery stores right. or out in like uh, rural, rural farmlands where there's hardly anything out there too. And a lot of these kids, especially in the more, you know, inner city aspect of things where they aren't getting access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Some of them don't know like what a blueberry is. They've never seen one. They've never been exposed to one. And this is where it can be a real challenge to be able to get kids exposure to the, those foods. It's like, how do we do that when they're not available? And this is a yeah. whole other like conversation and a really big systemic issue that I'm not even going to pretend to no. even know how to fix. Yeah. But when you think, when you, you know, fast forward and you look at all of you know, the adults who struggle with obesity, many of us struggle with obesity as children. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are many people listening to this who, you know, maybe grew up where they didn't have that access to food or they didn't have that access to education or their parents weren't able to purchase fresh fruits and veggies, or yeah. it's like a foreign concept to them. Or, you know, one of the, the support groups that we have in the tribe is cultural eating. Cause if you came from a different country or have different cultural heritage and background, no one teaches you that at your bariatric center, how to make sure that you're maintaining your culture. They yeah. just tell you, Oh, don't eat rice. Yeah. Oh, don't eat okay. Rice. And it's like, Oh, okay. One of my clients, um, her and I had very lengthy conversations because she is Asian and she's like, my like rice is such a staple in our yep. diet, mm-hmm. but they'll tell you to eat quinoa, <laughs> which yeah. is, not. No healthier when you look at the grain, like, yes, there's a little bit of protein in there, but there's no reason as long as someone tolerates it after surgery where they can't have rice. Mm-hmm. And this is where my mind, like, again, I scream all of this on my pages in my book because it's so frustrating <laughs> to me because rather than just telling someone, no, mm-hmm. why don't we teach them how to have wow. it in a way that, that helps them hit their goals? Yeah. Yeah. We rather need to, than, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, instead of telling someone you can't have rice, say, of course you can have rice. You're of Asian descent and that is one of your cultural foods. And we would never take that from you. This is how we suggest eating it so that it works for your goals. And that's just one of many, I many love new that. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling that we just make people feel such like there's already, we already feel shame towards our bodies. Mm-hmm. So many people like at baseline for so many various reasons, but to add this additional shame when there should be none to feel shame for feeling hungry, to feel shameful for eating. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is what we need. And it's like, how do we start to deconstruct that? Like, 
And those are some of the things people don't think about when you struggle with your weight or when you're in this bariatric world is we all have so much of this baggage. Yeah. And then, you know, just to simplify things like, well, of course we're going to struggle with snacks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. It's much more complicated than most people realize. Mm-hmm. Well, and the snacks that we've been provided even as young adults and kids weren't the greatest. No, and I would never eat half of what are considered kid snacks. Right. And it's interesting because I'll, I even hear my friends that have younger kids um, and they'll be like, well, I had to buy it because, you know, it's for the kids. And it's like, actually, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't have to buy that. You're just choosing to because it's because they label it as a kid's snack, mm-hmm. but it's not. And like none of us and should I be eating some of the shit. Hello, like, like 90s kids. Yeah. Like, some of them, right here. Those like snacks in the 90s were actually pretty wild. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, like I, I don't like to shame foods because I don't want to put like that negative value, but there are definitely foods that were just wildly high in sugar. Like, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure the 90s is responsible for gushers, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And as kids, of course, you want gushers. You don't want like the fresh fruit. You want the gushers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's got so much sugar in it that it gets you hooked immediately. And then you just want more of it. So I grew up in a house where my mom could not afford to buy the typical kid snacks. Yeah. Like the little chips. Yeah. The, we didn't have chips. We didn't have juice. We didn't have gogurts. Like we <laughs> had the big container of yogurt that if we wanted it, we had to spoon it out yep. and eat it that way. We didn't have the little kids stuff. So it wasn't until I started going to my friend's houses that I started realizing, oh, well, they have fruit snacks. Why haven't I ever had fruit snacks? I used to go over to her house and steal the Gushers yep. because I loved Gushers and my mom couldn't afford to buy them. Oh, my and God. My little brother still eats those. He's oh, 20. Cool. will be 21. He's well, just- yeah. They're- I love a good Gusher. Yeah. yeah. Like my mom is still like, we got to buy the Gushers. I don't know. You're like, he's 20. He's not a kid anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I grew up in a house where I didn't get those snacks, but now seeing them and like reading what's on it, because, you know, I'm in the, I'm one of those flippers. So I always pick something up from the grocery store and flip it around to see what's in it. It's the grab and flip. Yeah. We learned that. And I am floored continually by how much added sugar is in cereals, yogurts, ice cream, like any Don't of the Don't look things. at cranberry juice. Oh, yeah. Cranberry juice. It's yeah. so bad. It's so bad. It's awful. Like, so by the time this comes out, you will hear us talk to the sugar detox lady. Yes. She's amazing. Yes. And the fact that the labels are lies is still like making me upset boggles like, it mind. still boggles my mind that there's a percentage there so the fda allows up to 20 percent ink like misrate or whatever it's called yeah like it's a, like a mistake yeah on the label they're allowed up to 20 percent 20 percent that's a that's a huge amount that you could be like wrong off. yeah and it's totally fine yeah it's totally fine and then they cannot tell you what certain things are in there as long as like it's like underneath a threshold so that it can be like zero percent uh-huh. yeah you're mad at this too i know it like this is just well, it's so frustrating it's telling to one of the other points that i bring up a lot and this might be an unpopular opinion in our community and that's okay i'm always good for an unpopular opinion <laughs> same um 
I don't think tracking is the end all be all to success. And if it were, I don't think many of us would have needed surgery. Granted, mm-hmm. I do think tracking and potentially tracking macros or calories is a useful tool for some people. Yes. I'm not telling you not to track if you are a tracker. Personally, I think everyone should be at least tracking generally their protein. But you know, there are a lot of people that are really gung-ho on tracking every calorie or tracking every macro. Mm-hmm. And I just personally don't think that that's sustainable, nor do I feel like it tells us it's not always accurate unless you're exactly weighing everything. And to your point, not even on the label, is it exact? Right. This is why I preach creating high quality meals that are satisfying and filling without having to hyper-focus on the number every second Mm -hmm. so that you can make better decisions based on listening to your body, making sure that you're getting your protein and not to confuse people. I also am not what people might label an intuitive eating dietitian either. I do think we need more guidance than that personally, another mm-hmm. maybe polarizing opinion. Um, but I think that there's a middle ground where you don't have to be hyper-focusing on every number, every macro, but where you're not just having all the things all the time, just because <laughs> you, you know, it, it's easier. So yeah. it's figuring out like, and this is where I truly believe in really strong nutrition education so that even without And I do teach in my book how to deconstruct and read a nutrition label for guidance, especially when it does come to create uh, choosing different like processed items and such. But which is also an important part of your diet is having that variety. I'm also not someone to tell you not to have something processed. We all have those things in our diet. And I have a whole chapter on why I feel strongly about that, too. (laughs) But it all comes back to being realistic. And that's the thing that is so I think it's unrealistic to track every single piece of food that goes into your body and giving it a like numeric value every single time. I think it's unrealistic to be on a diet forever. I think it's unrealistic to not have any boundaries with ourselves and our habits, especially as bariatric patients who have this history of all sorts of baggage, as I said, whether that be disordered eating or struggled or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where everyone's journey truly is so unique and so different. And this is another um, area where we come up short, I just think in bariatrics is everyone is handed a one size fits all binder at their surgical center Mm -hmm. and said, here, here's your protein goal. Here's your water goal. Here's the list of all the things to not eat. Good luck. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. everyone's lives are different. Everyone's routines are different. One of my, I was actually just talking today with another dietitian. One of my least favorite like phrases ever, like ever is we all have the same 24 hours in a day. No, we don't. We do not. I do, you know, a single working mom of three with two jobs does not have the same hours in a day as myself from a double income household with no children, you know, it's just, it is different. So to put that blame on people that they're not working hard enough, it's like, no, like let's meet this person where they're at with what capacity they have so that they can make really great choices. And this is where education support empathy, all of these things come into play versus just shaming people for, well, just eat less and move more. Yeah. You have the same time. They just work harder. Just do it. Yeah. So no. And it's no. like, no, that's not realistic. That's not helping anybody. No. Well, and we've noticed it doesn't help anybody because we've mm-hmm. all been told move more, eat less and mm-hmm. still having the same and problems. Mm-hmm. Correct. And at the end of the day, yes, calories in calories out is how you lose weight. Yes. But that does not, and ultimately you need to be in that deficit to lose weight. We're not trying to defy science here. The thing is obesity is such a complex multi-layered disease with many elements to it, whether that be mental health struggles, um, neurodivergency. Like I just got diagnosed with ADHD this last year and my whole life makes a lot more sense. But when you think about, I'll just use myself as an example, 
no wonder I had impulsive eating behaviors my whole life. <laughs> I never seemed to be able to stop, even though I wanted to. Mm-hmm. There was a literal lack of dopamine in my brain causing me to seek that out. Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot harder, especially adding PCOS that I had an increased hunger and decreased satiety and all of these hormonal things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I needed to probably be in a better calorie deficit, but my what I was burning in my expenditure was probably lower for so many reasons. And it was so much harder to control those habits. So if someone is struggling, you just eat less or move more. We have to ask why. Yeah. yeah. And back to my point of everyone has different hours in the day. Like everyone has different stressors in their lives. Everyone has different responsibilities. So this blanketed one size fits all. And this really ignorant mm-hmm. term of just, just work harder, just eat less, move more. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately, yes, but like also not so much because yeah. there's so much more to dig in there and to look at. Well, yeah. It's, just bullshit. it's, it's like, they're just trying to simplify it as as much as they can and not actually go into the layers of what actually affects you because what affects me to gain weight or lose weight is completely different than both of you ladies. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can't just say move more, eat less. Like we need to have, I like to know the why I like to know the how Mm -hmm. I like to know the when, like I need more than just those two items. Yeah. Give well, me again, more. that guidance isn't really helping anyone. Mm-mm. No, it never has. No, it was people it, hate going to the doctors because they get tired of hearing it. Exactly. And for like me, there's sometimes I can't move. So yeah. what what do you do with that? Because mm-hmm. if you're a disabled person where you right. have actual diseases that are running rampant through your body, how do you have how can you say that I get, am gonna receive the same care or same advice as somebody that has a full health? Right. Like you can't, you, you give us the same information. Yeah. That would be wild if like they were doing that for anything else. Yeah. Like if we had the, like, say we both had a hip problem and then they give us both the same hip routine. Yeah. That's not going to work. Like why is it any different? It goes back and this is like one of my driving points in my book and where I Mm kind of start off my book too is weight stigma and bias is so awful and real. Mm -hmm. The world, unfortunately, it, it, you know, we're just labeled as being fat and lazy and mm-hmm. don't care about our health or have, you know, all, there's all sorts of wild stigmas around people who struggle with their weight. And it's, you know, people don't get jobs because of their weight, because people discriminate against them. It's absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. And the assumptions that are made are wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very real struggle that we face. Mm-hmm. Well, I was actually going to say, even with your name, like having a sleeve dietitian, like the dietitian part, I hear from people like back in the day that they were like, I have to go see a dietitian. Like it was a bad thing. Like it was like, oh no. Yeah. What did you like? You know, what did you do? What did you, you have do to go to a dietitian? See a dietitian? Like, so they're like, what are they going to do to your food? Like they were always so worried. And so it has to be even like just as hard as a dietitian mm-hmm. to get through that stigma and then actually get to people you can actually help. Because there's such of the stigma around everything, anything that has to deal with obesity, there's so much. Well, I remember problem. Yeah, I remember when I went to my primary care physician, which she was amazing. She was trying to help me because I said, like, I'm gaining weight rapidly. Like, this is not a a small thing. Yeah. And so her first answer, because I brought up surgery and she said, well, why don't we try this first? And she referred me to this weight loss clinic. And I didn't want to go there because I, I felt like a failure. And then I called them and the lady was so fucking rude to me. 
on the phone and was just like, you could tell she had a whole bias against anybody who called. I was just like, I felt defeated. And then I never went, never made the appointment. Like, and then Mm -hmm. I think a few years passed and then I finally went and saw. And I don't think Heather was on board with weight loss surgery because I told her that my brother did it and that I wanted to do it. And then she's like, okay, well, because I have metal in my leg. I have mm-hmm. a um, titanium from knee down, five screws in my ankle, two screws in my knee. And she was like, well, first, we're going to want to remove all that. And I looked at her. I'm like, why would I need to remove all that? And she's like, well, you said it was really hard for you to work out. But I was like, yeah, well, right, right after surgery. Yeah. Like, I'm almost 10 years out from that surgery. Like, I don't, I should it not have to remove the hardware well, of my leg so I can get weight loss surgery. Like, that just seems appalling yeah it seemed backwards and we really like heather so we were like she was great i mean she was actually the one that caught that i had uh arthritis rheumatoid arthritis so she's a great doctor it's just that bias of obesity it's also really telling that doctors even fantastic ones Mm -hmm. are not treating obesity as the disease that it is no correct it's also really frustrating when our own medical system is disregarding bariatrics which bariatrics is the branch of medicine that treats obesity both through medical and surgical means yeah and it's completely disregarding an entire branch of medicine when you do that Mm -hmm. and it keeps people from getting the the help and the care they deserve. And it kind of, so I wasn't planning on doing this. So I figured I would ask first, but I was thinking maybe I could read a small excerpt from my book and how I open up the book. And the uh, introduction. Yes. Of course. I was also going to add before you do that. Can you tell, are you allowed to let us know what the name of the book is? Yes. I, I've released it publicly already. Yes. Okay. So, so let everybody know about the book. Yeah. So I've mentioned it a few times, but I, and I've been public about it on my Instagram page. Cause I've taken you on this journey with me, but I am, I have written and I am officially publishing my first book and it's been a dream of a lifetime to get to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are in the final production stages. We are putting all the loose ends together. It will be out by this September. Um, Please make sure that you follow for more details on release date and Mm pre-order date. I'm also going to be, um, and I can give more details on this towards the end of the show, but um, I am also going to be recruiting a street team to help me not just promote the book, but get extra special bonus chapters and early access to things and private access to my release launch party. Um, So we have a lot of fun things coming up, but ultimately the book is called um, the easy way out Why bariatrics isn't cheating obesity. It's treating it. Um, the whole book goes through the stigma of obesity. And it, the reason it's called the easy way out is because everyone always says it's the easy way out. And that mm-hmm. could not be farther from the truth. So every step of the way through this book, both through my own personal journey and my own personal experiences, both as a patient and a professional getting to see both sides of things. Mm-hmm. I talk about the sigmas. I talk about the gaps in our system. I talk about the things that we are coming up short on. I talk about my own experiences, both good and bad. Um, I talk about kind of all of the factors that go into a bariatric journey. Again, that most people wouldn't think about. Um, and the whole purpose is to bring better care, better advocacy, better education um, to people who struggle with their weight and not just left, like assuming that they are lazy or they, assuming that they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk about so many, so many, basically pretty much every topic I could go through in this book um, is everything that I'm just so passionate about, but the things that other people might not say, unpopular yeah. opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Lots of truth bombs. Lots of truth I, that's bombs. That's why we love you. We yeah, love the truth bombs. Yeah. I can see this as like, okay, I'm getting surgery. Here's the book. You need to read it first. I really hope so. Um, I did send this book out to a couple of beta readers um, when I had the first draft of the manuscript to get feedback. Um, I sent it out to both patients who are post-op as well as um, pre-op. And one of the beta readers who was pre-op, um, and most of these readers I did not know personally. They were people that I had never really had conversations with. Okay. Um, so the person who was pre-op, I did not know personally. Oh, good. Um, so to get some real honest feedback. Mm-hmm. And she said that this book was everything she needed before surgery. She said that it made her even more prepared. And she's so glad she read it beforehand um, because it made her just feel seen and heard. And that was my whole point. And this book is part memoir because it is a lot of my own journey. It's certainly not just my journey. I hope that every person who has ever struggled sees a bit of themselves in this. And I truly wrote this book with the entire bariatric community in mind. I want this to be our story together of how we've overcome immense odds and how we're still fighting for proper treatment, proper care, proper support, all of the things that we deserve because we are this underserved population. I also hope that this book makes its way to lots of bariatric professionals um, Mm -hmm. who continue to bring amazing care to our community so that they can understand better from the patient perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I do also advocate for the professionals because I think it's easy sometimes to blame our centers for not giving us the support or not giving us what we need. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also do talk about the constraints that so many amazing practitioners are under just because of our medical system and the barriers in place and all of the things. Mm -hmm. Um, So this book is pretty much all encompassing of bariatric struggles. Um, I also hope this book can be very useful to family members and friends of loved ones going through this process so that they can better understand the journey. Um, I talk a lot about just emotional changes, a lot of those hard things. Um, We talk in this book about addiction and overcoming transfer addictions. We talk about mental health. We talk about the mindset work. We talk about the nutrition. We talk about all the habits that go into it. We talk about the grief that you experience when you are letting go of old versions of yourself Mm -hmm. or even people in your life that you must walk away from in order to continue to thrive in those really hard topics. So there's kind of no holding back in this book. Um, And everything there is riddled with evidence and research to back up all of the things that we have. Um, so it's really just bringing to light the entire process and journey. And that's, that's what it's about in order to get more people care. And I hope that there are people who fall in this book who, you know, it it lands on their page or on their Amazon page Mm -hmm. and they find it and they realize that they too are part of this community because there are so many people who don't realize that they could be a bariatric patient that don't think that this support is there for them, Mm -hmm. that don't think that they are there yet. That, and again, this goes back to kind of what Kelly was saying with her doctors, like, well, let's try this first. Why are, and this is where I'd love to read the excerpt from my book, because why are we not getting people the support in this disease that they deserve sooner before it progresses so long? Exactly. Oh, exactly. That's the one that gets me. Yeah. Because I know why it's fucking money. That's well, greed and and money. Yeah. Uh, Well, and I think it's stuck in a lot of people's heads as weight loss surgery is the last resort. Yeah. And we actually just talked about this on uh, Dr. Spencer's uh, podcast podcast also, is that why is this the last resort? Why is it in our brains that we have to fail, you know, and I'm using quotes around that, fail so hard that we have to get surgery when this is Mm -hmm. actually safer than most gallbladder, well, it's, it's safer, safer than, than gall- gallbladder, gallbladder surgery. surgery. Yeah. 
and it's the most effective treatment for obesity. So why are we looking at like, oh, I'll start another diet first. Oh, let me try working with a trainer first. Why are we saying that we need to do all these things first in order to get the most effective treatment? Mm -hmm. Well, and I would say it's because like what we learned um, from whoever we talked to, we talked to so many people, (laughs) but like with our, even our own doctors, only like 1% was what we were told, right? I actually wrote it you down. You knew what I was going to say. Cuz only um, oh, less than 1% of physicians are trained in obesity medication, med- medicine. Medicine. Yeah. And obesity medicine. Uh-huh. Like that is that is so Think about all the doctors that are in this world. Like it go to Google and type in doctor and see all of the millions of people <laughs> that doctor. are doctors. Less than <clears throat> 1% of those are trained in obesity medication. And which doesn't make sense because I think like the stat is like almost like 70 plus for obesity people in the world. So how does that make sense? Hmm. Like, let's look hmm. at it. Realistically, how does that make Just sense? Saying. Because they want to push us in a corner. They want to They don't want to think about it. Yeah. That is not attractive <laughs> is basically what I. Oh, that's what I hear. It's a turnoff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You guys are pulling, and this is where it's so important because all the things that you are saying are the things that I talk about in my book, because I've had the very same question. And that's where, you know, I can read that excerpt if you want, but like, it's, it's true. It's, we are underutilizing the most effective form of treatment. Yeah. And it just doesn't, it boggles my mind because like. I should have been referred. I never even was referred. No yeah, one ever you told called me. your doctor. No one ever told me to even do this. This was just because my brother did it because our father died. Like mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with an actual medical professional being like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, we, we think this would be a good option for you. That never happened to any. of It actually didn't happen to my brother you know, at 450 pounds. It didn't happen with me at 308 it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. And it's wild that you actually say that because my PCP is trained in obesity medicine and she is, uh, surgery either. Yeah. Oh, so she's trained and didn't mention the surgery. That's wild. To like, me. how does that even make sense? Like there should just be options instead of just saying move. diet and exercise. Yeah. Give me the options. Yeah. Like you give out medicine for anything else. Why Mm -hmm. is it? Why are we like locking the obesity medicine in like a little box and being like, "Eh, it's kind of there. It's not there. Well, but I mean, we find it through the same thing through GLP ones. Like they're not insurances aren't covering them because why? Like there's no solid answer to why (laughs) aren't you covering them? Like if this is going to make me healthier, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to lose weight. Therefore, I won't have heart disease, diabetes, strokes, all the things that come from being obese. Cancer. And we're actually going to save you money because you're not going to have to pay out for all that medication, all those other surgeries. Tell me why you won't cover the one medication. It proves that they don't want to save any money. They don't. They, they They are in the market to make money, not save money. And also part of the barrier to the GLP ones, which let me tell you, I got two whole chapters on those in my book. Yes. Oh, good. I can't wait to read those. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the whole book, but especially those because, yeah. My editor, because she was editing it as I was writing it. And one day someone within our own bariatric community said something really nasty about other bariatric patients on GLP ones, which there's been other bariatric patients 
hating on the GLP ones. It's at so least weird. Very, it's, it's so odd, but I was particularly aggravated that day. Uh, <laughs> it's a great day. And instead of being a keyboard warrior, I was like, I'm going to my actual keyboard and I am going to get this out in my book. And I got down everything I wanted to say and scream to the world about the benefits of these medications and all, all these things. And my editor was like, so I really love your passion. She's like, it does sound a bit like you're yelling at your readers. So you might want to tone this back. <laughs> yes. You're like, that was the whole point. That's how I you know the passion was there. I'm yelling at them. They are not listening. She's like, I know. But let's yeah. so we revise it so it's a little gentler, but it's still very passionate. Oh, good, <laughs> good. good. Don't lose that good. passion. Never. Huh? Oh, there is passion in this entire book. And yeah. that's where I just spoke from my heart and my soul. And I shared my own experiences. I also shared a lot about my own experiences. Um, be, it was really, it, what's really interesting is I have been in the medical field as both an obese person and someone in a straight size body. Mm-hmm. So I was a dietetic intern finishing up my, my clinical rotations when I was in the process to have surgery. No one knew it at the time. So I was in the heaviest body I had ever been in working in the hospitals. Um, so talking about just like weight stigma and stereotypes there, cause it's really hard to introduce yourself as the dietitian or the dietetic intern when you're almost 300 pounds yep. um, and everyone looks at you like there's no way. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, getting down to one of my smallest sizes I ever was, I started a new job once I was credentialed and, you know, later that summer after I had my surgery and no one had ever known me as someone who was heavy mm-hmm. and the wild things that mm-hmm. I, I worked in a skilled nursing facility and the wild things I would hear other practitioners and uh, clinicians say about our obese residents. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I got to kind of hide because I was in a smaller body. So they didn't think they were saying anything offensive to me. Yeah, yeah. I was so wildly offended and so angry. I'm like, these mm-hmm. patients deserve the same level of care mm-hmm. that every yeah. other patient in this building does. And for you to discriminate them against them because they are, one of the terms that they use in clinical settings is, um, so like if we got an admission from the hospital to our facility that needed a bariatric bed, that doesn't mean they're a bariatric patient. It means they need a, Wider, large, a larger bed. bed. Yes. yes. They would call it like a bariatric bed. And sometimes they'd be like, okay, we're admitting this patient. They need a bariatric bed. And everyone in the room would like groan like, Ugh. wow. I about that in my book. It's so, and it's like, they don't want to have to deal with them in bed or it's more work, whatever it is. It's wrong. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but same token, our healthcare system isn't helping us. No. So, but what do you, you know what I mean? Because they disregard the fact that it's a disease. It is labeled as a little, you're lazy. This mm-hmm. is a you problem. This is a moral failing on your part. Mm-hmm. And you should have taken care of this. Yep. 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 Then when you ask for help, you're met with bullshit advice to, well, have you tried this BS diet? Because our doctors, well, you'll go to them because you're struggling and they'll be like, you should really do paleo or you should really do intermittent fasting, or mm-hmm. you just need to cut everything out of your diet and just eat like nothing. Yep. And it's like, that no. is, again, what is that helping? Literally nobody. No yep. one. Literally nobody. Yep. Uh, Most the, people that hear that gain more weight. Yeah. They're like, well, you stress out then. And you're trying to find yeah. the things. And so then you I don't was the actually right the doctor that actually uh, accused me of drug seeking. Yes. It was right before my surgery. Like, probably two or three weeks out. Like it was, it was going to happen soon. And I was referred to him for acupuncture. Okay. He then decided that he was going to redo my pain medication. Then when it came to 
I was like, well, I am having surgery, so I'm going to be starting, you know, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to have a weight loss surgery. He tried to talk me out of it and then tried to sell me broths Uh and told me how I should do an elimination diet and I should buy these products from them because then that way I could lose the weight naturally. It's always natural. I actually forgot about this whole con- this whole thing. <gasps> like until just now, you were talking about it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's right." Like no, yeah. And then he accused me to be a drug seeker, and then I said, "Fuck you! I'm not, I'm. I'll show you drug seeker." So I never took another pain med. You didn't. I was like, "No, I'm not taking it." You probably nope. do. Once this book is officially published, I'm going to keep it in a backpack, like a bunch of copies. And when I meet stupid people saying stupid bullshit things, I'm just going to chuck it at their head. Ah. Do it. <laughs> oh, my God. This always it. have yeah, one on you at all like, times. Read this. Yes. Just understand. Like, yes. It's just, it's so, like, I don't under, I don't understand why it's so hard for other mm-hmm. people to understand. And all you have to, and it's so, you realize how prevalent this is. As soon as you go to, like, an Instagram or a TikTok, like, video that's gone viral for someone in the community losing weight and you look at all the comments oh i thought you did it naturally guess not oh must be nice to just have surgery unlike the rest of us who have to actually work hard uh-huh. i got a comment about that, that recently on one of my posts because i posted something about um losing some of my regain and i've been incredibly transparent about my usage of mandaro and glp1 medications because by me hiding that that's not helping anyone i'm yeah. not ashamed of my choices i'm not ashamed to need another tool this is a disease yeah does it have any how hard i've been working all along i need another tool and that's fine yeah but i posted one of my recent like transformation pictures i've been on mandaro for almost a year now and someone said something along the lines of must be nice to get to have surgery and be on a medication. Some of us have to just do it the old fashioned way. Oh, and I'm like, you mean you're not enlightened and you haven't read anything. Cool. That's what I hear. Yeah. You have like, no idea what you're talking must, about. Mm-hmm. Must be nice. Some of us aren't that like, like she, she was so passive aggressive and rude. And I'm like, I don't entertain. I don't respond. And if mm-hmm. they're, majorly hurtful at that point I just block and delete because if you're hurting me in my space on the internet you're going to hurt others in my space on the internet and I don't I don't want that for anybody yeah um, we don't condone that no okay. no and it goes the same way of the bariatric uh surgery world shaming other people for being on glp1s like yeah that's the new thing any route I feel like it People just need something to pick on someone for. It yeah. just is ridiculous. You yeah. cannot win with some of these people. Oh, for sure. And Fucking. I have definitely learned that over this last year that yeah. you cannot just, you just cannot win with some of these people. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you need to pride yourself off of my struggles, mm-hmm. cool. that is a direct reflection of you and your issues. Yep. And if anyone listening to this, if that makes you feel uncomfy, I'm glad it makes you feel uncomfy. I want you to think about why. Yeah. Because if you need to judge other people to feel better, if you need to look at someone who is using a secondary tool to support them and your way of priding yourself is like, well, I could do it without it. Or thinking that you are somehow above someone else for not needing such a tool. Mm-hmm. Again, I truly encourage you and welcome you and invite you to explore why that is. Yeah. I, I you invite you to- something that you might not be addressing. And again, and, and that's something to maybe know going into reading my book. Mm-hmm. If while reading my book at any point in time, which I hope people want to read my book and that they enjoy reading it. And I, I hope it brings them an immense amount of um, 
clarity and understanding and joy reading it. And I want them to feel heard, but I also want it to provoke change. Yeah. I want, I want, and one of the things I've learned the hard way is if I am triggered by something that someone says or does, that's not a reflection of that person. That is an invitation for me to explore why that is and look closer at myself. Mm. Yeah. I think that's anytime you feel uncomfortable, you probably should sit in that uncomfortability and figure out why, mm -hmm. no matter what it is. Correct. And granted, I'm sure there are things that people might just very much have a disagreement on or not mm-hmm. like some of my viewpoints. And that is okay too. You are allowed to disagree with my yeah. stance on something. Yeah. Um, anyone is, but at the end of the day, we sh- doesn't matter if you're in the bariatric community or not, if you're a bariatric patient who's on medications or not, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. it is unfair to look at anybody else and judge. And here's the mm-hmm. other thing we all as humans are going to judge. We all are going to have our own bias. We all have our own shit to work through myself. And one of the things I do talk about in the book is when I was at the beginning of my journey. Um, and I, I say this very like, honestly, and I'll share it here too. Like when I was in those first, like six, seven, eight months and things were going great. And I was at like, I surpassed a lot of goals and I was losing quickly and I was felt really good. I can remember seeing other people in the community and I never said anything, but thinking to myself is like, oh my God, like how have they regained so much? Like that's like feeling bad, but also being like, glad that's not me. I'm not going to let that happen. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. that's me. And yep. I say in my book, well, in that moment, the universe said, let's humble her real quick yep. and realize that she's not immune to any struggles that anyone else is. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and I struggled. I struggled to keep it off. I struggled to stay at my lowest. Most people don't stay at their lowest. And I talk about that too. Trying to stay at your lowest is usually an unrealistic goal to be at, trying to focus on too. But no one in this community is any better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people pride themselves off of being able to eat less or maybe hitting a different goal. And again, this is all of us coming from a place where we don't ever intend to judge others, but sometimes we do because we have our own baggage to work on. Mm -hmm. And I hope throughout this journey and this process, you do so much more than just lose weight. I hope you truly work on yourself and reinvent yourself and look at those habits that you used to use to self-sabotage and learn to be truly, truly happy within Mm -hmm. yourself and your body and your work on your own mental health so that you can continue to support others in really beautiful ways versus continuing to to judge or continuing to look at other people in different ways, because we're all, and I think by reading my book, you'll realize we're all a lot similar than we realize. Yeah. I cannot wait for this to come out. I know. Out. I'm so stoked. I'm, so I'm going to like you. That's so like, it's, it's a lot to write a book. It's a big mission. Oh, yes. A big mission. I remember when you were saying like, I think I'm going to write a book. I'm like, cool. That's a lot of work. Like that's all I was thinking, mm-hmm. but I am I'm so glad, proud. I'm glad when I made the choice to move forward. I've always wanted to write a book. It's been on like the forefront of my mind for a long time. And when I finally took the plunge to do it this year, I'm really glad I did not know in that moment how much work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause you might not have done it. Yeah. So. And you guys have been with me throughout a lot of, the, I mean, I've shared mm-hmm. it on social media too, but you guys have actively been with me as I've been sitting in the same room as you writing this book. Yeah. I traveled to, I traveled a lot this year. I traveled to, um, starting in the winter, we went to Florida together for the in-person podcast. Yeah. I went to Las Vegas for, um, a bariatric event at Las Vegas bariatrics center. Um, I went on a entrepreneurship retreat back in March. Mm-hmm. I, 
you know, there's been a lot of like little trips and stuff. Just I've been in weddings and things and through all of the travel, every plane ride, every time I'm sitting in a hotel room, I, oh, I went to New York city for a long weekend. I was writing there too. Every city I've traveled to, I've been sitting there with my laptop writing this book, which is really special in its own unique way, but it's like, I've really taken it with me every step. And the fact that it's finally, like we are in the last stage right now, we are finishing final, final, like tiny edits. We are formatting things to upload it to the publishing company. We are getting ready to have it sold online at Amazon and it'll be sold online. Um, Amazon borders, I believe target, um, not, not borders, Barnes and Noble. Why did I, oh, borders, borders is the old. Yeah. Borders is, is the, the old one. one. That's yeah. the old school. Borders yeah. had my, it had my heart. We <laughs> I, love I don't know where that fell out of my mouth. Maybe we get out of that part out. Barnes and Noble is what I meant. I'm tired. <laughs> um, and I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm also like really scared because it's hard to put yourself out there. I share a lot of personal things, a lot of vulnerable things. Again, a lot of things that so many people in this world are going to disagree with me on or not like my opinion. And that's really scary, but I know that by staying quiet or not sharing these things, they're not advocating for our community. We're not helping anyone. And it's truly my mission to help this community get better support and better resources. And that's why I want this book just shared as far as it can go, because the more we can advocate, the more people are going to get help. Yes. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see your your book at Target and I'm going to take uh-huh. photos. I'm going to take It'll be online. I'll take a yeah, screenshot. I'll take a screenshot. I want it in person. That's fine. Well, I get a book anyway. Speaking of it being in person. So the best thing that people could do if they want to support in spreading the word um, is actually to request it be sold at their local bookstore. Because ah. typically self-publishing, it will be online for the most part. However, if we get enough requests at local stores, they will keep it in stock too. Ah. So anyone who wants to be supportive of getting this message out there, supportive of me, yes, it's always supportive if you want to pre-order the book or purchase it and read it yourself. However, even just requesting your local library or your local bookstore carry it, or even your local bariatric center carry it is super helpful because we can spread the message way okay. farther. Yes. Well, then we'll yes. run that campaign, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, we're on a new campaign now. Get Jamie's and book in all the bookstores. On top of the advocacy, on top of talking about all of the topics that surround this process, I have very real, tangible resources for bariatric patients to take away. I talk about my bariatric breakthrough meal plate method. I talk about constructing a plate. I go over label reading. I talk about um, what to look for. I talk about... Um, routine. I talk about vitamins. Like I talk about all the things that can be so confusing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also through the book, if you end up reading the book and purchasing it, you will also have access to special resources. If you subscribe in order to get like adjunct resources with this book, um, including Mm -hmm. journal prompts, things to work through that I normally give my clients. I also am going to be sharing like a directory to figure out how you can search for an obesity certified physician in your area, all sorts of resources so that people feel really confident. Um, Because it is my hope that people can take this book and really make the most of their journey simply by reading and absorbing all the content that I have in it. I have a question. Is there an audio version where you do the audio part? There will be. That's so, what she's excited about, people. Jamie reading the book to her. Mel, does that mean you want to listen to me talk even longer? Because it'll be like five, six hours of me talking. Oh, easy. I can do that. Okay, great. Done. I, I mean, 
So we've people that don't know, we actually talked for like an hour and a half before we even did this recording because yeah. that's our MO. Yeah. So I can listen to you all day, my friend. <laughs> yes. And she, uh. I mean, we're essentially the same person and she listens to me talk all day. So I think we're good. And at least I'm getting like super, super valuable information <laughs> that's been like sourced out. I don't have to do the work. I can actually just read your book and believe you. Yeah, because we know you and we know you're yeah. not going to do wrong You're not going to do us dirty, man. Yeah. You're not gonna... Also, literally, one of the things that we've been working really hard on is all of the footnotes and the properly formatting all of the citations because there is so many like research articles that I consulted with and made sure and like a fact checked myself. And you know, it's actually been really hard. One of the other things I never thought about and one of the, I mean, m- anything to do with like science or research or nutrition, it's a quickly evolving field. And we're always learning something new things that I wrote back in the winter have already changed and evolved based on new research studies. So literally just yesterday I had to update one of, I didn't have to, but I chose to, because there's been new research out about like aspartame. And I wanted, I talk about like sugar-free options after surgery and Mm -hmm. why I think they're beneficial for bariatric patients, but with the new research and there's new like fear surrounding them, you best believe I added like two more pages in there. Ah, there you go. <laughs> That's our girl. So, um, so yes, you can absolutely um, trust all the sources. And if for whatever reason you don't, you have it right there to go and look at yourself if you choose to. Um, but for September, what will be coming out is paperback, hardcover, and ebook. My hope is by this winter, don't quote me, so I don't have an exact time frame. we will have the audiobook. The okay. audiobook will happen after all of this because the audiobook is going to take quite a bit of time to produce mm-hmm. because I'm going it's it's going it's going to be a, a very time consuming project and I plan on narrating it myself. Okay. Um so we'll, that is going to absolutely 100% be in the works. It's just not going to be available the exact moment that the book is available cuz that has to happen first. Okay. Perfect. All right. Good I'm to I'm totally <laughs> It could happen at the same time, but then the book itself wouldn't be happening until like the winter too. So we're going to get the book out there and then we'll do the audio yeah. book. I know that I am already purchasing a second copy just for my book, like my bookcase. Oh, yes. And then I will have the other one in my backpack with me. So at all times, mm-hmm. I will be surrounded by your book. I love it. Because I'm like, <laughs> I have to like, I have to have it. Up no, on my I, I, it needs to be in the studio. Oh yeah, we need one for the studio. So too. there you go. We're gonna need multiple. Yeah, yeah. we're we're gonna be like ten copies, please. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Handing them out. So, yeah, I do plan on doing again. We're gonna be doing lots of promotional options and opportunities for this book. So, um, like I said, I am building out my street team, which anyone can join my street team, which will be to, so I'll have the details very soon. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I already will have the details. So head to my Instagram page at the sleeve dietitian or go to the sleeve dietitian.com to learn more. Um, but the way my street team is going to work is anyone who purchases the book and or requests that it be sold at their local bookstore or library. Um, all they have to do is submit proof of me to that of that to me and they will be opted into my street team and my street team will have access to behind the scenes bonus chapters that didn't make it to the final cut of the book and will also have access to my live virtual launch party Ooh. and some other goodies too so i'm really excited again the whole goal is i i if there's one thing i need help with and anyone listening to this who wants to help me what they can do is spread the word so reshare my social media posts let your 
bariatric besties know about it. Let your bariatric surgeons know about it. I just want more people to know that this book and this resource is here so that it makes its way to the people who need it most. Love it. it. You're such a great resource in any capacity that you are. And, And anybody who doesn't know Jamie personally, like she triple checks everything she does. She is very careful. So I just, I'm so excited to read this freaking book. I'm excited for everybody in the community and definitely have like your family and friends on board too. Like Mm -hmm. give them this book, let Mm -hmm. them know because what me and Kel and I know that Jamie has learned, the more support you have around you Mm -hmm. that understand what you're going through, the more of a successful journey you're going to have. And I'm going to add, try to understand because people that don't have surgery will never actually Truly, truly understand what we go through. But I think that it's the trying that the matters. Effort, yeah. You know, showing that you do yeah. care is a big deal. When you have people like I know when we first started the podcast, like when my friends and family would listen to it, when our friends and family would, it meant a lot because it meant they were trying to understand what we were trying to do. Correct. Yeah. And they were better understanding of like, oh, that's why you do this. That's why you do this. Like it was the understanding that meant a lot. Yeah. And I, again, like I hope that people's loved ones, friends and family will want to read this mm-hmm. book. Or if someone is having trouble verbalizing their struggles to the mm-hmm. ones that they love, I hope they could direct them to this book. And hopefully I can take that burden off of them a bit so I can maybe explain to those around you why it's so hard or why it's so challenging in so many aspects. Yeah. Uh, because it's really hard to advocate for yourself. It's really hard when you feel isolated and alone. And one of the things I talk about often is the reason I do all of this is because I, well, you know, my my family and my parents and Steve, who's my husband now, but my boyfriend at the time were super supportive of me, but again, they didn't get it. And I felt very isolated. I felt very alone. Mm-hmm. I didn't really tell any of my friends, just immediate family. And until I entered this community on social media and started going to local bariatric meetups, um, I had my surgery, not knowing one other bariatric patient in my entire life. Yeah. I didn't know anyone else who had surgery, not yeah. personally. I didn't have anyone to talk to or connect with. And it was awful. And I don't want that for anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, old past versions of Jamie deserved a lot better. I deserved a lot more support than I was given. And if I can give that back to other people, that's, you know, a job well done. And I think about it like last night, um, in the tribe membership, I go to support groups when I can, even if I'm not leading them. And last night I had time. So I actually went to our pre-op support group with some of our ladies who are pre-op. And what was so beautiful is we had a lot of members there who are beyond being pre-op, but they still go to support those who are pre-op. And there were two ladies in the group. One is having surgery this Thursday. We're in July right now, but she'll already be a month post up by the time she needs this. That's so cool. Um, And then another member who's having her surgery August 9th. And To hear them like ask their questions and get the support and hear that they're excited for their journey. They're nervous, but they're excited and they can't wait to share how it goes with us. Like that like makes me want to cry because I think about the night before my surgery where all I did was ball my eyes out and cry because I was so scared and alone and nervous and worried I was ruining my life. Yeah. And the fact that other people don't have to go through that level of isolation, that's what I wanted for this community because I didn't get to have that. And no one should be going through this alone when there's so much support available, if you're able to seek it out. And while your bariatric surgery center might not be able to provide it, other platforms like, you know, my page, the tribe, this book, our city by podcast, the Benji's, all of these, you know, there are really good people in this mm-hmm. community trying to do really good things yeah. um, and to support people. And I want more people to know that it's here and that there's on top of the support, there is legitimate resources because- yes. 
while it's um, fantastic to have your bariatric besties in this virtual community, not everyone is qualified to give you the guidance. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is qualified to give you nutrition (laughs) advice or support. Um, And if I can help clarify things and help make that leg of your journey easier too, I'm, I'm more than happy to help whoever needs it. I love it. Which is why I'm so glad you're a part of this community. And our little family. And our little berry family. That's right. (laughs) Well, is there anything else you want to add before we let you go? She hasn't read the excerpt yet. That's fair. Would you like me to read it? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Conversation. Yes. I was like, we're going to end with that. Oh, okay. We'll end with the excerpt. Perfect. Excerpt. What is it? Excerpt. Excerpt? This is the first time I'm reading it out loud. Is there in it? Uh, yeah. Expert? Oh. Yeah. This, so this is the beginning. So my introduction is rather lengthy, um, but I will read the first little bit of the introduction. Okay. That's um, very relevant to the conversation we were just having. So weight loss surgery is considered the gold standard for treating obesity and achieving long-term weight loss results. Nearly 42% of adults in the United States suffer from obesity. Obesity is linked to over 40 other diseases and premature death. And despite knowing that obesity is a complex and multifaceted disease, it is still largely viewed by society as a moral failing or a willpower issue. Bariatric and metabolic surgery is the most effective treatment for obesity and can reduce risk of premature premature death by up to 50%. Patients who undergo bariatric surgery are anticipated to lose as much as 60 to 77% of their excess weight in the first two years, and on average maintain 50% of that loss over five years. However, despite it being the most effective and best known treatment we have available, it is a procedure that is severely underutilized with less than 1% of the current eligible surgical population taking advantage of this treatment. Why is that? How is it that the most effective treatment we have available for obesity is simultaneously the most underutilized? My guess is that if we had a treatment with this type of success rate for cancer, heart disease, or diabetes, and treating obesity can greatly reduce the risk of these diseases and improve remission rates, everyone would be taking advantage. Mm -hmm. So this begs the question, why aren't people getting, why aren't people with obesity getting the most effective treatment available? Some may argue that it's a very dangerous procedure, which would be valid if it was true. (laughs) Sure, all surgical procedures and medical interventions come with an associated risk. However, as someone who has gone through weight loss surgery firsthand, I have some thoughts on why more people aren't having bariatric surgery. If we push aside the risk factors, access to healthcare and weight bias and discrimination, which are all certainly at play, there's one major reason I suspect people aren't getting the treatment. I think what it boils down to is shame. Oh, I like it. And it I goes on it. to talk more about the shame and all the things, but that is the beginning of the introduction. And uh-huh. it really trying to figure out why we aren't getting better help. And that's, again, the driving point of this book. I well, love it. I have chills. I know. I got chills. I, I got a little goosebump, please. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. We are yeah. impressed. Okay. I could totally see you reading the audiobook. Right? Yep. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. You have a very calm voice. And I can't wait till you get passionate about all those sections. I have to be really mindful of reading because you guys know I talk really fast. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. I also listen to other people's audiobooks at 2.4 times speed because that's how my brain works. So it's Whoa. really hard for me to slow down. So I appreciate that compliment because I have to try really hard to do it. Yeah. No, you are very calm. You are very calming. I, I liked it. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. And I do think it's going to be even better when you have the passionate one sections go. Yes. 
So this is gonna when be when I'm great. yelling. Yeah. When I'm angry, that's my You're girl. Like, These people are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the part my editor made me take out. <laughs> I I'm kidding. It. I did not write that. <laughs> Although we, you probably thought it a few times. Did. Yeah. Did. Yeah. That's fair. Oh my God. That's so good. I cannot wait. So this book will be able to purchase in September. Yes. And keep an eye on our page, Jamie's page, the tribe page for all news that pertaining to the book seriously even our personals too because we have our link tree in our personals and we will have the link i've had it since the beginning mel didn't realize that she could put our link tree i did not know she's like she's like we need to make personal link trees and i was like what do you mean i just have our business one in mine and she's like wait we can do that (laughs) yes mel yes i I fixed it you did did fix it so now we can put your book in there and it'll be on all of ours Yes. And then until I have the official link, um, I don't want anyone quitting me on this because dates can and may change, but my, I am anticipating the book to be available to pre-order come the very end of August, if not the very first week of September is what I am assuming. Again, head to my page for better updates than this one. Um, but if you go to the link in my bio on my Instagram page or my website, you can subscribe to book updates on my email list. That way you are the very first to be notified when the book comes out, you'll be invited to join the street team. And then of course, once you're on the street team, you'll get even extra special exclusive access to things and virtual live party with me and all that good stuff. So, um, when in doubt, just head to my Instagram, go to that link in my bio too, and you'll be able to find all the things. Ah, all right. So proud of you. Well, guys, you so guys all have you. homework to do. Yes. You guys need to go get this book. Yeah, all right. go get, sign up for all the newsletter. Get the reminders. Yes. Yes. All the book information. Keep an eye on all of our pages. Make sure to follow all of all our pages. pages. And we are just so proud of you and mm-hmm. cannot mm-hmm. wait to read this book. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm very, I'm really scared, but I'm really excited. It's like a, I can't believe this is like really happening type of thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's really happening. And one last thing I want to add is for those that don't know, I'm going to announce it here because it'll already be announced by the time this comes out, is the fact that Jamie is a part of the JBY. She is a sponsor. She is a sponsor. She's a presenter. She's a nominee. Yes. And guess what, guys? For those that watched JBY last year, Jamie won't win five awards again. <laughs> she took herself out. All she one. is only in the diocation. Yeah, I told Mel and Kelly as much as it, as it has been an honor to be nominated and to win the awards I did last year. Um, it was important to me to not be nominated for those awards again. So other than the dietitian category, which me and Mel went head to head on that. And she said, I had to allow people to nominate me for that if they wanted to, because of it being my career. And I said, fine. (laughs) (laughs) She can be very pushy. I can't. But um, I did make a request to Mel and Kelly as much as I appreciate people nominating me for other awards. And if you did so, thank you so much. Um, But I did not want to be nominated or in the top nominees for any other category. So it's, it was just important to me. Um, But I will be at JBY again. I'm super, it was so fun last year. I am trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to wear. I keep going back and forth on the dress that I want, Um, but I am so excited. Um, Again, make sure you're checking all the updates for that because 
I'll be there for the weekend. I will be there for the award show. Obviously, it is my hope that we will be doing our first in-person book signing that weekend. Stay tuned. I don't have exact details on that yet either because we're still waiting for all the book details. That's the one thing that no one tells you about a book is sometimes getting everything wrapped up the way you anticipate gets finagled. So, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same with award shows. Yeah. 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 So we're just taking we're trying to, you know, we're going with the flow, which I'm not only so great at, but we're working on it. Okay, it's, um, it's it comes good. across. And that weekend's just going to be so much fun because, like, we get to experience that again with you mm-hmm. and get to see all everybody's little happy faces mm-hmm. and the excitement. So throughout. The energy is just insane. Yeah. And when we're all say, together. I have been to a ton of bariatric events in my short little bariatric life because, like I mentioned, even this is like pre COVID times, I had surgery back in 2017. Um, but there were local meetups, which were fantastic for so many reasons, because I met my best friends and Mm -hmm. um, the people who are local here to me. But you know, I've been to a ton, but I've never been to one like Just Be You Award Show. There was something just so heartfelt and authentic and amazing. And it was so fun to get dressed up. It was so great. It was such like a how do I say like there wasn't like this pressure to be anyone but yourself when you were there. I love that you guys were up on stage in your beautiful dresses, but then you were barefoot. You're like, I'm not yeah. Like, you just made everyone like comfortable. Um, and I felt like it was such a beautiful way to just come together in one space and celebrate everyone and get to be together. And oh my god, like the tears that night, especially yeah. getting to my tribe members mm-hmm. in person for the first time, or people that had come up to me and are like, oh my god, I was in your tribe, and like it helped me so much. Like that just like made my world right. Um, sometimes when you're just, you know, on your phone, like everyone feels so far away, but when you can actually be in the same space, the same city, the same room together, it's truly magical. So it really is. I can't, I can't wait for that. So hopefully I get to meet so many people there. I will be yeah. there. I hope listening to this will be there too. Um, it's going to be fantastic. It really yes. is. Here. Yeah. Yes. So go to jbyawards.com. Get your freaking ticket. Yes. Right. You do not want to miss this. We are leveling up this year. There's so oh. much happening. Oh, don't even worry don't about get that. It. It's going to be so much fun interaction with the actual crowd. Oh, that's what this she's. Year. Yeah. She's she's on it. She's on I it. Love I it. just so go along. She does. Anyone who decides to come to the JBY award show and who purchases a ticket is also going to get an extra special free resource from myself that I created. I created a free guide all about traveling after weight loss surgery and specifically traveling to in-person bariatric events. I know there's a lot of anxiety that comes up. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only might you be stressed about maintaining your food routine, making good choices while you're away, knowing what to pack, but just the whole putting yourself out there can be really scary. So uh, Mel and Kelly allowed me to create this awesome free guide that you can only get if you sign up to come to the JBY award show. So once you sign up, you'll get that as well. So that's yep. an extra little resource that literally nobody else is getting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's all about the resources. Yes. We love it. We thank you so much, thank Jamie, you, for Jamie. all the help that you have done oh, for, for us and me. all of us. We I love, love you. <laughs> all right. We love you guys and we will see you next time. Bye. Hey, listeners, if you enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform you get your podcasts. And don't forget to go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP for all your support needs. 
That's right. And we even have our own website. So go over to arslevipodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, get that free ebook, and then don't forget to get your merch. And also we're on YouTube guys. So type in our name, hit that bell and hit subscribe. And you're going to see our lovely faces every single Tuesday. So thank you for listening to Arsleep Life Podcast, where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time. <laughs>